Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 And welcome, and thank you for joining us. Hello, Dan Torres. What's happening, Buzz? What's happening is... What's happening? It's a balmy, beautiful day. Don't complain. It's going to be 70 this weekend, Buzz. Can you imagine that? In November? You getting Ryan excited Adams about the election? Always, we're always reminded there's a difference between weather and climate. All so right. Just because it's nice weather... I don't have to freak out about the climate. Is that right, Dan? Sure. We'll go with that. If Brian says it, it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about this week. I have uh, some really interesting people I'm going to have the pleasure of sitting in the studio with and chatting with um, this afternoon. And we have a special guest um, right now, which uh, we'll introduce you to in a minute. We're going to be talking in the second half of the program with Elaine Crane and Matt Taylor. They are both singers with Ballet Light Opera, De Fledermaus is going to be at the Academy of Music, and Jackie Walsh is going to introduce us to those players. Tomorrow, Tara Jacobs, who is a Democratic candidate for the Governor's Council for our district, District 8, she'll be here in the studio, and we'll have um, a lot of interesting things to hear about then. On Thursday at 4.30, Donald Cohen, who's just written a book called Privatization of Everything. He's going to be speaking at the UMass Labor Center, doing a workshop there, and on Thursday at 5 o'clock, if you're interested, um, you might want to Google Donald Cohen and UMass Labor Center, and you'll see more about that workshop, which sounds interesting. And on Friday, we'll be talking with Representative Paul Mark, and of course, it's time for Fair Play at 4.30 uh, with Duke Goldman, and um, always, as always, we'll be talking about the intersection between uh, social justice and sports. And, of course, with Duke in studio, I can't help it. We'll be talking World Series a little bit. Um, and tonight, the Phillies uh, host the Houston Astros tied one-to-one in the series. I'll be very interested in talking to Duke about that. But in terms of the election, I am very grateful because here in studio, um, we have Sheriff Patrick K. Elaine. And I thought about how to open this. I, I think um, I know how to open it. I received, as did um, a number of other people on his email list, a sort of uh, email blast from my um, colleague, um, dear friend, and uh, an award-winning uh, defense attorney, nationally known, does uh, mostly death penalty cases, murder cases. He is a uh, he operates at the highest levels of the trial court here and in, I think, 10 or 11 different states. And this is what he wrote. For those of you who live in Hampshire County, many of you probably saw my letter to the Gazette urging voters to reelect Pat K. Elaine as Hampshire County Sheriff. Pat is a Democratic incumbent who defeated two challengers in the primary. While I won't repeat everything I said in my letter in the Gazette, I have to start out by saying only in Hampshire County could a sheriff who's widely recognized as one of the most progressive sheriffs in not only Massachusetts, but in the entire country, be attacked from his left. I, David writes, have had interactions with roughly 35 to 40 correctional facilities, state, federal, and local in 10 different states over my career, and I feel competent to opine on this one. We have a great progressive sheriff. He runs a safe, secure, and humane facility. My clients who are locked up there often tell me that it doesn't even feel like a jail. Pat and his staff go way out of their way to accommodate me and my clients' needs consistent with public safety. 
Recently, there's been a lot of commentary stemming from a letter to the Gazette criticizing the carpentry program. It's totally unfounded. The carpentry program is an educational program. It's for inmates who are learning carpentry skills. It is not a prison work program. No one is forced to engage with this uh, program or to construct anything for anyone. The program is too small to run as a commercial venture, yet it has been, uh, to a very limited extent, available to the public by word of mouth for decades. I recall taking chairs three decades ago myself because they offered a recaining service. Mostly, however, the construct signage and small structures for community groups, schools, and city and town governments. I have no affiliation with the campaign, and I'm happy to try to answer your questions. Please email me privately. However, do not hit reply to all so that we don't burden folks, because he blasted this to a lot of people, including me. And I am very grateful, I'm sure, Sheriff. How, do I, how did you feel, Sheriff Kaylin, when you received from David Hoos, uh, who does nothing but defense work, this commendation? Well, uh, I've known uh, David's reputation, and, and David uh, has no problem calling me out when uh, when he feels that there's an issue or, or a problem. And uh, you can check during during COVID. He had no problem calling me out uh, regarding some of our, our COVID uh, uh, questions regarding uh Correctional the protocols officers. you were putting. Well, in no, it was a correctional officers going to the bridge in support of. Uh, uh, I believe it was masking, or it was uh, correctional officers for Donald Trump, or something of that nature. And and he he and I spoke about it, and and uh, you know uh, I wasn't going to in, in, infringe on anybody's rights, but at the same time I also believe that uh, during that period of time my total responsibility was to keep people alive. And uh, and I, I believe David felt the same way that uh, you know uh, that was everybody's responsibility at that time, and and he just wanted to make sure that everybody at the correctional facility was safe, and I made sure uh, and I made sure of that it's a really good place to start our conversation. How did you make sure of that? Well, we we spent considerable time uh, before and after shifts making sure that uh, staff. Uh, we're uh, we're delousing or uh, getting checked into the facility and and checking out of the facility to make sure that they weren't bringing anything in as far as uh, a COVID related piece, uh, including um, uh, temperature checks. We set up a tent outside that was separate from the facility. If somebody was running a temperature or was coughing, uh, you know, unfortunately they were they were sent home. Once we got into a, a situation where we could do testing, we uh, we were testing staff before they came in, uh, if they were showing any symptoms, uh, um, because we knew that the population inside, um, that was going to be the uh, the common denominator was the individuals that were coming into the facility that would would uh, would spread the uh, the virus. So for those of us who were only sort of protecting ourselves and our families. Um, I would hear about these dreadful stories of congregate housing situations. Obviously, Soldier's Home in Holyoke, that horrific story. But uh, uh, skilled nursing facilities and and schools and prisons were always mentioned, jails and prisons. Um, so let me ask you, how many inmates did you lose to COVID? We didn't lose any inmates uh, to COVID. Uh, we did have two spikes during uh, the two-plus years, and... Uh, during those spikes, we managed everybody and got them back to health as soon as possible. But we, we also uh, had protocols where we were uh, checking uh, the population every day 
uh, and sometimes two and three times a day to make sure that nobody was sick. Uh, and I think that was the, um, the best thing that we, one of the best things that we did from a staff standpoint, but also um, the sheriffs across the Commonwealth got together and we hired an epidemiologist so, so that we could uh, make sure that we were all following protocols that were, that were safe for everybody. So. And um, everybody's boosted and vaccined who, who wishes to be, who doesn't resist it? They, anyone who chose to uh, w- was vaccinated. Uh, I think uh, we hit close to 75% uh, at, at its peak. Uh, and we still offer vaccines and boosters uh, at the present time. That's great. Um, I'm about to throw you a marshmallow, but I have to throw you this marshmallow. You have been in corrections for over 40 years as a correctional officer, as a captain, as a major in charge of security. I'm looking at your resume here, deputy superintendent, special sheriff, and of course now since 2016 sworn in and 17 as the sheriff in the Hampshire County Jail and House of Correction. So do you think having worn all those different hats, it's like Frank Sinatra-esque, you've been a pupper, a a pirate, a poet. But you think that adds to your ability as a sheriff? It it does, because everybody thinks that, uh, well, let's do it from an educational standpoint, I guess. Uh, Most people think of uh, the sheriff's office and they think of the jail and house of correction. But there's seven different divisions to the department, and they all have a different specialty. And they all fulfill needs of our community and fulfill needs of uh, seniors in, in the outside, uh, such things as our, our triad uh, program. And that division uh, works with the, the SALT councils and t- cities and towns and works with uh, uh, the fire chiefs and police chiefs and the district attorney's office to ensure safety of seniors. And uh, that's, just, that's just one aspect. We have a, a civil process division uh, that again, all through COVID, they had to function because the court system was still functioning. Civil processes to serve subpoenas, serve summonses, serving subpoenas, divorces, uh, evictions, and uh, the evictions uh, did take place during COVID uh, because uh, there were some uh, life safety issues that uh, the courts felt uh, couldn't be ignored, and so. The, the civil process division had to remain open and running and functioning. And uh, I had officers who uh, had to don PPE to go in and out of uh, apartments and in and out of uh, apartment complexes. During a pandemic, yeah. yeah. Not easy. You also, uh, one program I've always been interested in, the Bridge to the Future program. What is the Bridge to the Future program? The Bridge to the Future uh was was a concept that we developed uh, several years ago, and it's it's our we hope it's the last step in a person's process in going back to society. So the individuals who who make it through all of our inside programming inside the jail and house correction, if they if they do really well and they fulfill all of the uh, criteria of the program, they they can get to the bridge to the future, which is a, a separate house off off of the campus. And it's in a neighborhood, and they can house up to 16 people. And all of those individuals are on electronic monitors, and we have them uh, going out into the community on a daily basis, whether they're going to a school program or going to the Community Justice Resource Center for programming, or they could be going to work. And 
and they also have to find wraparound services for substance use disorder or for uh, mental health therapy. Um, there are many things that they, they have to, but they do, they're doing it all in the community because we know that that's going to be their last stop, and we want them to be in the best shape that they can be in uh, to, to become a, a citizen. And before we take a break, um, Pat K. Elaine, Sheriff of Hampshire County, what is the Rocky Hill Reentry Program? Uh, that was something we uh, we developed during uh, the COVID period uh, when our population decreased in, inside the facility. We had uh, we had a building outside that uh, house could house up to thirty six individuals, and uh, we were no longer using it. So um, I approached uh, the Department of Parole through the Secretary of Public Safety's office, and we developed this program so that. Uh, Parolees who were getting paroled but had no place to go could have a a room with a shower with with dignity and they and it's run by a civilian population, not by jail personnel, because uh, they're that once they hit parole, they are considered a free citizen under the supervision of parole. And so the parole officers come to the building and they work with them. We also ha- do wraparound services out in the community. There's many community agencies in, in Hampshire County uh, that that love to work with, with those types of programs. So. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to take a break. We are talking with Pat Kaling, the sheriff of Hampshire County, David Hoos, the longtime um, uh, defense attorney who's got clients that he tries to keep out of jail and have to go to jail. He wrote a, uh, a powerful um, endorsement of the candidacy. Um, we're going to come back. I am not a Hampshire County voter. If I was, I would vote for you, Patrick K. Helene. And the reason why is I think the most fundamental reason is that I think we both understand the following, which is that's what they did. That's not necessarily who they are. We're going to be back with Sheriff K. Elaine right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Voting as well as early voting is the way to go. It shows that we trust the voters. They know why they need an early ballot. They know why they need an absentee ballot. It's not up to government to decide if it's a legitimate reason or not. The voters should get to choose. So this, I think, is a huge advance. 101.5-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Hello, I'm Sheriff Patrick Kaling, and I'm honored to be the Democratic nominee for Hampshire County Sheriff. I hope you will stay with me and vote Kaling in the general election. Early voting starts on October 22nd, and Election Day is November 8th. And remember, a vote for me is a vote for a kind, compassionate, and progressive future for corrections in Hampshire County. This ad was paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J. Kaling. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, 
like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Do you know what's going on in business in Western Mass? You do if you read Business West. Find out which companies are growing, which companies are innovating. Learn about people on the move, people taking the lead. Every issue of Business West is packed with business news, including incorporations, building permits, real estate transactions, and bankruptcies. Pick up a copy or read Business West online. The vital business news is in Business West, the business journal of Western Mass. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, your message at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, your message at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are talking with the Hampshire County Sheriff, Patrick Kaylane, who will be on the ballot for you Hampshire County residents on November 8th, or those of you who are voting early right now. Um, Sheriff, I think um, there's been a big endorsement other than David Hoos. There's big, a big, big endorsement which has not yet appeared in the Gazette, but I assume will. Could you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, Maura Healy, uh, the sitting attorney general and uh, hopefully soon to be the, the next governor of Massachusetts, uh, endorsed me. Uh, I have known her since she first ran for attorney general and uh, have, uh, have watched a, a dynamic person who believes in fighting for everybody, and uh, and she understands that I come from that same philosophy. Uh, we both come from uh, big families that, uh, um, you know, we we learn in big families that uh, to survive you have to work together, and uh, she brings that philosophy to the attorney general's office, and she's going to bring it to the governor's office, and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that the citizens of Hampshire County uh, allow me to continue my career so that I can work with her because uh, great things can get done uh, in the criminal justice system uh, with Maura Healy leading the charge. And uh, yeah, it's one know, thing to have a good relationship with the governor and with the legislators, and I understand yes. that you do. But when the governor has been the attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer in the Commonwealth and you know her as a sheriff, that's kind of a leg up, isn't it? Well, I, I believe it is. Uh, I, I believe it's important because I think uh, you have to work together. Uh, it, we have to get back to collaborating uh, amongst everybody, uh, whether it's the legislature and uh, the administration, uh, as well as the sheriffs across the Commonwealth. Um, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of work to do uh, in the criminal justice system, you know. Uh, what is your relationship like with our sort of uh, sister under the Northwestern District, um, uh, Sheriff uh, Chris Donnellan? Do you collaborate in specific projects? Um, how closely do you work with each other? Uh, we work very closely together. Uh, some of uh, some of the projects that we work on is uh, 
We run joint uh, uh, correctional academies when we can, when we have uh, to train officers. To train to train officers, and and uh, our our staffs work closely in making sure that uh, things like the medication assisted treatment programs that are now prevalent in all the counties in Massachusetts, but started to combat pre- the opioid crisis. Yes, yes, uh, and and those we we can be proud to say that. You know, Franklin County was the first uh, agency to start uh, opioid uh, treatment programs, and uh, we were to, we were with that first tier of, of uh, uh, sheriff's offices. But uh, uh, we're the only two counties right now that have uh, a a certified opioid treatment program that is certified by the uh, uh, the DEA. Right. So, and, and I also know that you both focus on mental health. I guess yes. in the, in the less than two minutes that we have left, uh, one one simple question: Why should people vote for you, Patrick K. Helene? Well, uh, my my term was interrupted uh, when uh, COVID hit, and we were in the process of uh, doing a lot of, uh, I believe, uh, progressive work in in the area of uh, treatment and returning people to the community, and uh, I, I want to f- finish that work, and it's going to take time. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I would ask that, uh, you know, people uh, make sure that they mark the ballot uh, for, for me, Patrick Aileen, uh for Hampshire County Sheriff, to, to, to continue to that, that work. And you didn't mention, but I know you've been v- very active in creating educational opportunities within the jail um, and, and the House of Correction, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yes, we, we have developed a new uh, treatment program that, that is combining uh, treatment and education together. So it's a collaborative effort, and it, it will continue to, uh, to be um, making that part of our everyday program so that uh, the individuals that are leaving us uh, can either go on to um, college or uh, finish high school programming. Uh, we've brought back our college programs now uh, because uh, the colleges, we've been working together, but during COVID, they did not want to come in. They're now starting to come back in. We started up a program. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, uh, they're starting uh, tutoring. Uh, college students are tutoring starting this week, and uh, we have a program with Amherst College that's going to start in the spring. So really great. It's and, good. and I also know that you've done a lot to support LGBTQ plus people in the House of Correction and in families um, as well. So his name is Patrick K. Elaine. I am not a Hampshire County voter. If I was, there's no question I'd be voting for him. And I know most of the members of the bar, even who are on the other side of the V in these uh, litigations, these criminal litigations, support Patrick K. Elaine. So I just want to thank you. Wish you good luck on Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We are going to be back with Jackie Walsh. Um, and uh, her guests from the Valley Light Opera uh, talking about the Flata Mouse at the Academy of Music coming right up after these messages. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. It be so nice to come home to. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A hazardous materials team had to be called to a Springfield bank on a report of a mysterious white powder this morning. Crews were called to the TD Bank at 561 Sumner Avenue at around 1025 a.m. The hazmat team determined the powder to be baking soda, 
Customers were allowed back inside the bank shortly after noontime. UMass Amherst is soliciting ideas to change their seal and brand mark. The Gazette reports the Office of University Relations is collecting feedback from students, faculty, staff, and alumni, which will be shared with the graphic design team. The current seal is nearly identical to the picture on the state flag, depicting a Native American standing against a shield and below an arm wielding a colonial-style sword. Congressman Richard Neal is speaking out following the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, in their home last week. Neal tells 22 News the attack is part of a bigger problem. Social media has amplified the conflict, but it's also a pattern of how we talk to each other in America. I think that this constant goading that takes place on social media is not helpful to the national conversation. Congressman Neal tells the News Channel Secret Service and Capitol Police are urging members of Congress to take precautionary measures. He also said he conveyed his best to Speaker Pelosi's office. After no recent winner on the latest jackpot drawing, the estimated Powerball jackpot is now up to $1.2 billion, while the cash option on the prize is about $596.7 million. The next drawing is tomorrow night. For the rest of today, mostly cloudy, chance for a passing shower, high 64 to 68. Tonight, partly cloudy, overnight lows 46 to 50. And the outlook for Wednesday, mostly sunny and mild, highs in the upper 60s. I'm 22 New Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. When somebody dies, even if it's somebody old or somebody sick and the family is expecting it, it's still a shock. For the past 110 years, the Saluzniak family has opened the doors to their home for generations of Hampshire, Hamden, and Franklin County families, offering comfort and guidance when it's needed most. There's a certain assurance from knowing that for 110 years, four generations have offered caring help with honesty, integrity, understanding, and the highest standards. The Saluzniak family wants you to know they understand things may have changed, but their dedication to helping your loved ones in your time of loss has never wavered and it never will. They are here for you taking every precaution and will help you understand how you can pay tribute during this challenging time. Saluzniak Funeral Home up at North Street, Northampton. Oh, people have always had a hard time saying Saluzniak. It seems that the CZ always gets everybody. Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton. They're not easy to spell, but they are CZ to spell. An ensemble of women, BIPOC, femme, dedicated to the transformative power of dance and social justice. The UMass Fine Arts Center presents the Ananya Dance Theater in Dostok, I Wish You Me. Dostok, I Wish You Me, explores the cross-generational love that carries global communities through difficult migrations, reimagining the possibilities of freedom. Led by acclaimed dancer, choreographer, and educator Ananya Chatterjee, the Ananya Dance Theater is a dynamic ensemble. The Chicago Tribune says, more than most contemporary Indian dance choreographers, Chatterjee has completely transformed her genre. Get tickets at the UMass Fine Arts Center website. The Ananya Dance Theater, Dasta, I Wish You Me. Thursday, November 3rd, 7.30 p.m., Bowker Auditorium at UMass. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back for those of you who've been with us, and welcome aboard for those of you who are just joining us. You know, in the year, I think it was 2001, 
we were so lucky we were in Austria with our in-laws. Our daughter married uh, an American-Austrian. And so we got, on New Year's Eve, we got to hear the Vienna Boys Choir uh, sing the, uh, the uh, Ode to Joy. And we got to see the Fledermaus, and it was um, in German, but I don't know what you call a little jumbo screen, but there was a little jumbo screen with English that we kept looking up at, but it was just such a fun, uh, wacky experience. And um, Jackie, you have brought in this week's Playbill uh, Valley Light Opera Singers uh, to us to talk about the Fledermaus. Yes, we're really lucky to have Matt Taylor and Elaine Crane here. I'm first going to tell you about a couple other shows, and then we'll jump right in. So this week is Half-Life of Marie Curie at the Northampton Center for the Arts, 33 Holly Street. That's November 3rd through 6th. We talked with the director and one of the actresses last week. It sounds like a really interesting show just this weekend. Um, we also have at the Lava Center in Greenfield a play reading called The Norwegians. It's described as Minnesota gangsters and the women who hire them. <laughs> and then we also have Valley Light Opera's The Mouse by Johann Strauss. It's going to be at the incredible, beautiful, luscious Academy of Music on Saturday at 7.30, Sunday at 2, and then the following weekend, Friday and Saturday at 7.30, and then it ends with a matinee November 13th, Sunday, two Sundays from now. So we have Elaine Crane, who plays the lead woman, and we have Matt Taylor, who is her husband. So hi, Elaine and Matt. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hey, great to have you. I'm not sure we've had, we've had some singers, but not opera singers in before. That's true. We yeah. haven't had an opera singer. Yeah. So, Elaine, why don't we start with you? You've done other VLO shows. Why don't you tell us about this show? Tell us about the plot of the show? Yeah, or just anything that anything? you want to tell us. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a big open question. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually Valley Light Opera does Gilbert and Sullivan shows, but uh, when we don't, we do um, other shows that fit into that same sort of operetta category. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the most famous and well-known and oft-done operetta. So uh, this is the story of, well, I guess basically it's a story of two friends who have a rivalry. And uh, one of the friends tricks another back in the day. And for a long time, there's been a revenge brewing the vengeance of the bat. So, so this is the story about the revenge of that man who was done wrong by his. By you know, his Jackie. It, I know Matt. Before you ask Matt a question, I've mm -hmm. been wanting to get the answer to this, and you and I have talked about this before, Jackie. What is the difference between opera and musical theater? That's what a, is the difference? That's a great question. For the most part. Opera is all sung, although there are exceptions like Carmen that's got some dialogue. Um, musical theater grew out of opera. So, for instance, Showboat is very operatic, but it's considered the bridge between opera and musical theater. And if you listen to the singing in Showboat, it's very grand and big and high with full orchestra. Um, it's very 
big, big singing, kind of. And so musical theater came, came that away and, and became more dialogue, um, <clears throat> singing with maybe a less of a range, you know, opera goes very high, very low, and musical theater's a little bit more in the middle, hmm. a little bit more speech-like, a little bit more popular in that way. So, but they're definitely related. I'm learning something, Jackie. I'm <laughs> so, sorry I interrupted so you. I have to get that I, question. Yeah. So am I. So, Matt, tell us about your character, Eisenstein, and what you like about playing him. Yeah. So, I play Gabriel von Eisenstein. Uh, he's an aristocrat, and he's best friends with uh, Fritz Falk. The, these are the two characters that Elaine was mentioning mm-hmm. um, who are, kind of have a back and forth uh, friendship. So my character, Eisenstein, uh, kind of played a trick on Falka back in the day. So Falka's taking this opportunity uh, in the show to take revenge on me. Mm-hmm. Um, this show, it's Eisenstein is a very human character, mm-hmm. and he gets angry easily. He makes some questionable decisions, uh, but I feel like this makes him kind of more relatable and more, you know, human. Uh, mm. uh, but yeah, this role really fits my voice. Kind of figure out where my opera journey is trying to. Mm-hmm. Give it the thing. Uh, so he's also a bit of a Don Juan, isn't he? <laughs> well, he was. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to memorize, mesmerize women with his um, watch. <laughs> and it seems to work somehow. <laughs> uh, um, so you try to get me one of those. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I thought you have one already. I do. <laughs> So Elaine translated it from the German, which I didn't realize until I saw the cover of the script recently. And just for full disclosure, I'm stage managing the show. So how um, how was translating it, and also how did that come about? So I translated it about 12 years ago. Okay, I have a small opera company in central Massachusetts, and we are, like many companies, we run on a shoestring. Mm-hmm. And when you do an opera... We do opera in English. We feel that's very important. That's part Mm. of our mission because we want people to understand immediately Mm -hmm. what we're singing. So so when you do opera in English, you can either rent the royalties to use somebody else's translation Mm -hmm. or you can use the original Italian, German, French, whatever it is. So having no money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also many translations are really goofy. Mm-hmm. So the combination of those two things led me to do the translation myself. But it took me about six months. I, t- I had maybe four or five old, old librettos um, that were in public domain. I had a German dictionary. I had a thesaurus. I had a rhyming dictionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really, it's an intense process. Mm-hmm. And it takes a really long mm. time. But then you don't have to pay royalties mm-hmm. because it's a... And yeah. I'm curious how much freedom you felt to embellish, you know, translation, you can translate things all different ways, but what about embellishment, adding a line here and there for clarity's sake or for humor? Well, I try to, to be as, as 
close to what the librettist and the composer wrote as I can. For instance, like when I, I did a Mozart piece and where he rhymed, I rhymed, mm -hmm. and where he didn't, I didn't. And, I, and, and there's also the added um, thing of, of, you know, if there's some high notes, you have to make sure that the vowels are singable with oh, high yeah. notes of the okay. word that you're going to say. So <laughs> that's a whole other thing to put in the mix. But this, I try really hard to stay, stay true to the composer. This is how little I know about singing operas. I didn't realize you can't sing a high C D. <laughs> <laughs> As like, in duh. <laughs> like on an E vowel, you know, E, it's so small and closed. You mm -hmm. don't want to sing a, a high, high note on an E because it's you just, have to yeah. open your mouth more you for that. Yeah. So um, one of the songs I absolutely love is a song that you sing about how sad your husband Eisenstein will be because he's going off to jail for five days, which becomes eight days. And, um, you know, it's all about the empty chair across from you at the, the breakfast table and how sad it is. And yet <laughs> you're kind of glowing with anticipation of something you might be doing during that time while he's gone. So how, what do you think of that song? It's a lot of fun because it's kind of, um, it's very dual. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, we're, sa we're saying one thing. Yes. And we're thinking and feeling something completely different. What, what's the last two lines? I don't think of the song, but the dialogue after. It's like, he, he wishes you well, but, and then you say, oh, yes, I will, but I forget the verb. But oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, how are you going to carry on? I say, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll carry, carry on. <laughs> I love that line. So um, I know there's no piano, and I know you worry, as all great singers, that you'll start on the wrong note. But can you sing us a couple bars from that song just to give people a little flavor of what going to this opera would be like? I'll try. Okay. <laughs> How can I bear such sorrow, such weeping, such I told Elaine that I really want to somehow send a version of this song to my sister because I have four sisters and we're planning a Chinca Terra trip because one of us turns 70 and one is retiring and she said she can't, she doesn't think she can go because she can't be away from her husband for seven days. Uh, so, um, Did you tell her she could carry on? Yes, <laughs> as we may be. Um, and then you also are, uh, you are in disguise as a woman from Hungary. <laughs> and you're wearing a mask and someone asked you to sing a homeland song, which is shocking because you're, you're in disguise. I mean, you're not really from there and yet you belt out the song about your homeland. Uh, how do you feel about that song? Well, I did ask the director if I could visibly have a look of panic when I was asked to sing that because, you know, she's not from Hungary. <laughs> oh, sure. I can sing one of my songs from my land. <laughs> I figure she just remembered it from her conservatory days or something. Right, right. So this has been great. We're talking with Elaine Crane and Matt Taylor from 
um, Valley Light Opera's The Flader Mouse. And we'll be back after a break. Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. What's it like to live in Ukraine today in the midst of that war? Join us when we speak with Andrei Komeshikov, a Russian-American, an activist, the Ukraine director of Nonviolence International, who lives in Kiev and will be returning to Kiev soon. He will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. At American National, we understand the tried-and-true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom-made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. But I don't see wine here, Ringo. What do you got? Well, who am I? You're the spirit guy. Uh-oh. So you're taking me down the road of spirit. So our next whiskey is from High Coast. It's called Have H-A-V, which means sea, like the ocean. Where's High Coast? Sweden. What? <laughs> the Swedish whiskey. Have. And this one was in uh, the top whiskeys of the year list. It was number six. Wow. You're right? Swedish whiskey. I mean, I know they have really good food there because of the Swedish chef. Yeah. Naturally. Bork, bork. You have to assemble this whiskey all by yourself without any instructions. That's the <laughs> thing about it. They trap you in this big box and then they give you like just diagrams of what you're supposed to do with it. Yeah, just pictures of grains. It's whiskey from Sweden, from High Coast. And how much is this one? You can have this one for $57.99. I like what you there see and that's a good price too find your favorite whiskey and your next favorite whiskey at state street what happens in high school stays in high school not quite in fact quite the opposite what happens in high school has a deep and lasting effect high school is a time of discovery of how you'll be in the world at the Hartsburg school in Hadley that means discovering more than the right answers to test questions Hartsburg students take their science studies into the woods, for instance, or the garden, or goat barn. They study history through the lens of architecture, or art, or music. There's time to be young and curious and unhurried. High school isn't a race or a contest. It's a journey towards self-determination. Hartsburg High School students learn they can handle adversity and cultivate an unwavering sense that they can take action in the world. Plus, they sing together. Schedule a visit anytime. Visiting day for current 8th graders is this Wednesday, November 2nd, from 8 a.m. until about noon. Spend time with students and teachers and see what high school at Hartsbrook is really like. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Playbill with Jackie Walsh, who has uh, graced us with um, two singers and actors from Valley Light Opera's production of The Flatermouse, which will be at the Academy of Music this weekend. How can, when, when will performances be, Elaine, and how can people get tickets? Performances will be this Saturday and Sunday, and then the following Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And people can get tickets by uh, visiting vlo.org, which is Valley Light Opera's website, or they can go to the Academy of Music website. Wonderful. Um, so I wanted to ask um, you, Matt, we're talking with Elaine Crane and Matt Taylor, um, two very talented singers and actors, Matt, why do you think opera is sort of undervalued in the United States? And, and what does Valley Light Opera try to do about that? And why? Well, opera is a, it's a very unique art form in the sense that, you know, we're not using microphones for the most part up there on stage. So we're using our, our voices, our bodies. We're using just what we have as ourselves to project, make sound. Um, and I guess with over time, it's kind of, we've kind of gotten away from that as a society. Um, but, you know, Valley Light Opera is trying to, you know, just raise support, awareness, and just kind of have fun with it because I grew up going to see Valley Light Opera shows when I was, uh, when I was growing up in the area. So, uh, you know, they're just trying to uh, have fun with it and kind of have people be able to access the art form, make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious about how you got into opera because before seeing him at the first rehearsal, one of the last times I saw Matt, he was a four-year-old waving from across the street in Shelburne Falls. He lived diagonally across from me and was cute as can be. Um, so you did not sing Jackie in an operatic way. I didn't see. Um, uh, uh, you weren't known for like an opera at age four. But you like it now. So how did you get from uh, being a little kid to being on the stage, one of the leads at Valley Light Opera at the young age of, are you like 25? 22. 22. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the Met Opera has these, uh, live, this live broadcast series where they broadcast uh, the Met across the country to theaters uh, across the country. Um, in high school, I volunteered as an usher for actually Memorial Hall in uh, Shelburne Falls. Uh, they did the broadcast, so I volunteered there and uh, ended up being really fascinated by opera uh, and being really interested in like what that has to offer. So when I was at UMass uh, studying music education, my... Uh, one of my professors suggested I try the opera workshop, and I did it, and I ended up really loving it. So I've you know, gone on to further studies, and uh, now I'm here. So, yeah. Very cool. And I'm wondering what has surprised you about this show or doing this show with VLO and doing it at the Academy of Music. 
Yeah. Uh, VLO. The sense of community at VLO is just extraordinary. Um, everyone just really loves being there, and uh, they just want to like put their put on the best show possible. And it's just fascinating and extraordinary. And I really liked being with everyone at VLO and uh, just trying to put our best foot forward and try to put on the best show possible. And the Academy is a, a fantastic space and I've seen shows there for years. So I'm excited to finally be performing on the stage. Nice. And the, a lot of people at VLO have done shows for decades. It began in the early 80s. Is that right, Elaine? I think it's, I think they're in their 48th year. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah, it started way before. And many, Valley Long Opera. <laughs> <laughs> and many people are so, still there, so it's always wonderful to see new people on stage. And one of the new people plays Alfredo, who is um, the sort of secondary or maybe primary love interest of Elaine's character, Rosalinda. Um, can you tell us a bit about Alfredo, the character, and also this new guy we have on the stage, Charlie? Sure. Last name I'm forgetting. Various. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Alfredo is, uh, I guess we could call him Rosalinda's old flame. And he's serenading her out the window trying to become her reacquainted flame, <laughs> which is why she's excited that her husband's going to jail. But, that, but I digress. <laughs> so the fun thing about Alfredo is he's an opera singer. So he gets to be off stage or on stage singing all kinds of fun things. And some of them he gets to pick himself. And some of them just pop out of his mouth. And, and um, we had some, some issues with casting and blah, blah, blah. And I won't go into all the gory details. But Charlie came in two weeks ago to learn this role. He's fabulous. Wow. He's an amazing singer. Quick and study. He's a quick study. And... English is his second language, but he's got all his dialogue down pat. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch him. Matt, are you getting jealous listening to this? <laughs> oh, he's not supposed to no, hear. No, not jealous, but Charlie's fantastic. I'm, I'm loving spending time with him in rehearsal. Oh, are you carrying on too? <laughs> yes. We're and he's carrying. very funny. I mean, some basic lines, like he offers her a drink and she says she doesn't drink and he goes i do <laughs> and the way he says it he just cracks everyone up very charming <laughs> okay so what elaine this is a very basic question to who you are what do you love about opera well part of what i love is um the grandness of it and i really believe that you love what you know mm. so that's why we love to bring opera in front of people, especially operas that are in English that you can understand right away, um, because when you know it, then you begin to love it and cherish it. And it's beautiful. It's it a great answer. beautiful. And there's so much beauty in where it's performed at the Academy of Music itself. The costumes are, um, there's no cookie cutterness about them whatsoever. Each woman has a gorgeous, very individual gown. The set is beautiful and the voices are beautiful. It's it's got the whole package. It really does. It sounds like, and it's going to happen when, Elaine? And how do we get tickets? This Saturday and Sunday, and then next Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Throughout, so November 5th through the 13th, we can get tickets at vlo.org. And my last question is, and we only have a minute to answer it. It's kind of an unfair question, but 
Uh, is it hard to play when people are playing these historical characters, these characters from a couple hundred years ago from another country? Is it kind of you put, take on a sort of farcical kind of persona, or do you actually try to do it as it would have been done? That's an excellent question because sometimes Gilbert and Sullivan, in particular, can get very cartoonish. Right. But really, if you go to Stanislavski, um, they're just people like you and me. They're just in their own time period with their own idiosyncratic behavior. Yep, but yeah. they're people like you and me. And I think the more real they are, the more funny they are. Well, I can't wait to see 100 years from now how they characterize our behaviors if we still exist <laughs> at that time. It is Valley Light Opera, and we've been blessed with you, Matt Taylor, and you, Elaine Crane. Jackie, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. And you're, you're stage manager in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's really fun. You get to see up close and personal. See it every night. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Afternoon Buzz. Um, tomorrow we're going to have Tara Jacobs, Democratic candidate for Governor's Council in District 8, our district, and, of course, Nan Parati from New Orleans with her 19-year-old friend who's going to talk about what it's like to be 19 in 2022. We'll be right there with you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. The chirp of the whistle and the blaring of the horn. Hockey is here. Tune in for all the sounds of the season right here on the talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station. It's